Growing up, I was, uh, as a kid, uh, a bit of a dreamer. And to be honest, I'm, I'm still a bit of a dreamer. But I would, I would walk around our property, our woods, and every tree presented the possibility of a tree house, a tree fort. And uh, I'd look at the branches, and the next thing you know, I'd have a ruler in my hand and a, a piece of paper and a pencil drawing. Well, if this one goes here and this one goes there, we can have a tree house. Or I'd be hanging out with my friends and my brothers, and I'd go, oh, if you played bass, and if you learned how to play the drums, we could have a band, and this is what we could call it, and this is where we could play. And then in my mind, you know, we're accepting Grammys and touring the country, and I'd just always be coming up with all of these ideas, and I, and I, wanted, I wanted to share them with someone. I wanted to, to, you know, work with someone and collaborate to, to bring them to life. So I'd always have to talk my brothers or my friends into doing whatever, whatever crazy idea I had uh, at the time. One of my favorite um, old American jazz songs is Moon River. And it's for this reason. It's got this line in it that says, um, two drifters off to see the world. There's such a lot of world to see. And we're after the same rainbows and my huckleberry friend. I just, always, I just always wanted that, that person who we could dream together and we could go on the adventure of doing that dream together and just the, the joy and excitement in that dreaming. Have you ever, ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, oh, I want that, I want that person to share in a dream with? Well, Jesus wants us to dream with him. Jesus wants us to dream with him. He, he wants us to dream about what it would be like to live our lives with him in the kingdom of God. He wants to imagine what that could look like. And so he says, it's like leaven, or it's like a pearl. It's like a coin that you lose and find. It's like on and on, image after image. He wants us to imagine it. He wants us to dream about it. But the difference between uh, me dreaming and my dreams and, and Jesus' dreams is that his dreams are true. Mine didn't always happen. They, they were just an idea, a possibility. But, but when Jesus dreams about the kingdom of God, it's because he has brought the kingdom of God. It's because it is real. It is the dream that is and that will come true. Because Jesus is at the center of reality. Because he is the most true thing there is. When he invites us into that dream with him, there is nothing that is more real than that. And tonight, I just want to hear Jesus's voice inviting us to be with him, to imagine ourselves, to actually be in his presence with him in the kingdom of God. So let's open in prayer and let's just ask that the Lord would, would be present and do that tonight. Lord Jesus, you created us to know you. So would you just teach us in these next few minutes what it means to know you through our imagination? Would you be present with us in the reality of who you are and who your kingdom is? Help our minds and imaginations enter in to that heavenly place where you are. 
would you come down and would you take us there? Amen. Well, the word imagination, it can have a lot of different sort of connotations in our culture, in our day and age. And uh, a lot of times, you know, you think about imagination, you just think about the imaginary, you know, something that doesn't exist. But imagination is actually, it's broader than that. Um, the imagination is, is that ability we have as humans to form new ideas, to understand concepts, to, to think about things that aren't actually present with us right now. So it's, it's this ability to conceptualize or to image things that might not be in front of us or maybe we haven't even experienced. And we can, uh, one, one area we see this is in uh, child development. So people who study how children develop, they have this concept called imaginative play, which is critical to a child's cognitive development, emotional development, relational and verbal development. They, they look at the world around them and they engage in it and they learn how to interact in it through their imaginations. And so the stuffed animal becomes a friend and they talk to it and they interact with it. And they, they mimic what mom and dad are doing at home and they pretend to wash dishes and they pretend to, you know, do whatever you're doing. My kids are doing this all the time. We'll drive around in the car and they'll just imagine all of these different scenarios. Dad, if, if you take your hands off the wheel and you bonk into the car next to us, will we all die? That's quite an imagination. Um, that's not going to happen. Don't worry. Well, if, if it did happen, would the police officer come and arrest you and take you to jail? And what's jail like? And they're just, they have never experienced any of these things, but they're understanding their world through their imagination. It's critical for our development as functioning adults, but it's also critical for our maturing as Christians. See, God made our imaginations, and He made us to know Him. And so He made our imaginations so that we could know Him through them. Author um, Leanne Payne writes about this in her book called The Healing Presence, and she says, Imagination is the way we as creatures see and hear the inaudible and the invisible. It involves our loving and receiving from God and from all that He has made and calls good. It's how we see and hear the inaudible and the invisible. Now, most of us on our daily lives, we're not physically able to see the Lord. For some of us, maybe sometime that might happen. But most of the time, we don't live by sight. We live by faith. And we can see the Lord through engaging in our imagination. That doesn't mean he's imaginary. He's the realest, truest thing there is. But we can engage with him and meet with him through our ability to conceptualize and to visualize something that's not immediately with us. Does that make sense? God speaks to us through our imaginative capacity. That's how we can hear his voice. And scripture is full of examples of this. We read, we read one of them, Isaiah, where he sees this amazing vision of the throne room of God. And we don't know what that experience was like for him. 
Later on in the New Testament, another figure, Paul, he, he talks about a vision he had, and he says, I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body. I don't know how it happened, but I saw the Lord. And that's what's happening here in Isaiah. And it, it, it's, it's the way, it's one of the ways that God speaks to us, is through this ability um, for us to engage with him through our imaginations. We were having um, a time of prayer um, with someone earlier this week, and this person was quite exhausted, and we were just praying for them to encounter the Lord's rest, and someone just had the image come to their mind of this person in a hammock. And just that image that conveyed, God has rest for you. He has peace for you. And God spoke to him through that. And God speaks to us in that way. Leanne Payne uh, continues on, the truly imaginative experience is the experience of receiving from God, whether by word, vision, or greatest of all, an infilling of himself. Our imagination is how we engage and know and receive from the Lord. So what keeps us from engaging with God through our imagination? Well, I think part of it is just um, what we've been talking about. The, the imagination can be seen as childish or as escapist or as that thing that's just for those kind of artistic sort of people. Let's just look at each one of those uh, in turn. Um, imagination is just for that highly gifted artist. They can come up with worlds, they can create things, and that's so far beyond um, maybe what you think you're capable of or what your experience is, so maybe that's just for them. I, I don't think that's the case because God is the creator God who created each of us to create in his image. And some people, yeah, they're really gifted in that area, but this is a way that he's wired each of us. We all have this, and when you ask a classroom of children if they're artists, they all say yes. It's just later on that we think that we can't do it or that we don't practice it. It's not just for artists. And it's not just, it's not just childish either. Because when children imagine, they're imagining um, and, and they're pretending. It's imaginary. But when we imagine as Christians, it's, it's real. It's true. It's based on who God is and what he has done. So it's not just for children. And it's not escapist. You know, you, you go into your imagination and you just, you just come up with pretend things and you don't engage reality. Maybe that's a thought you've had or that you've heard someone say. But I think it's because of the Christian imagination that Christians are, in, are enabled to engage the darkest parts of reality. How many people in our world and in our culture have completely stepped away from reality. And they're just anesthetizing themselves with whatever experiences they're seeking, with the media they're zoning out on, with the addictions that they're perpetuating and doing, and they have taken their hands off of reality because it's too hard. But the one with the truly Christian imagination can look in the darkest parts of our world and know and know that Jesus is there. They can, through their imagination, know that Jesus is in that dark moment, and that through the cross, he is bringing new life, and he can bring redemption. As Christians, we don't have to escape. 
because of the cross, because of the reality of the resurrection. The Christian imagination is not childish. It's not just for artists. It's not an escapist activity. Another reason we sometimes don't engage in our imagination is because we have a dichotomy between imagination and rational thinking. Leanne Payne calls these the two minds. As humans, we, we have the capacity to think rationally, to think logically, to reason, to look and say, here are two blocks and here are two more blocks. That equals four blocks. But God also created us with the ability to say, what if we had a hundred blocks? What could we build with them? What could we do with them? And to form all of these ideas. And, and we as humans, we need both. We need both of these faculties, both of these capacities. Here's how Lewis talks about it, C.S. Lewis. He says, as thinkers, we are often cut off from what we think about. You cannot study pleasure in the moment, nor repentance while repenting, nor analyze the nature of humor while roaring with laughter, either to taste and not to know, or to know and not to taste, or more strictly, to lack one kind of knowledge because we are inexperienced, or to lack another kind because we're out of it. See what he's saying? There's two ways to know. There's, there's a rational understanding of the facts, and there's an experiential and an intuitive and imaginative um, engagement with something that's bigger, that's greater, that's, that's not right before us. And Scripture um, has these two ways of knowing embedded throughout. And in fact, if you look at the, the New Testament word for knowing, it has both the idea of something we see that's in front of us and also a relational engagement with, uh, an experience of the person in your presence. It has both of these. And so a, a great example, a, a place to go is, is the letters that John wrote, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he, he starts 2nd John by saying, I'm writing to you because you know him who is from the beginning. You know God. You have experienced him. You have heard about him. You have seen him. You have this rational and imaginative understanding of who God is. See, both our reason and our imagination are created good, and they're created to work together, but both are fallen. Now, sometimes, depending on who you're talking to, they might think one or the other is more fallen than the other right? Maybe rationality is the one that we can like hold on to and let's not, let's not worry about the imagination. Or rationality, that's not really what's true. It's what I can experience and visualize. That's what's the deepest truth. There's folks who will grab on to one or the other, but we're actually created to use both together. And let me give you a couple examples of that. Um, one of our leaders here was praying for someone and he said, why don't you just imagine that you're in the presence of Jesus? They spent a few minutes in silence and in prayer. And then the leader said to him, what do you, what do you see? He said, well, I see, I see Jesus, but he's not looking at me. He's uninterested in me. He doesn't 
care that I'm there. And this leader said, well, that's not Jesus. Because the Bible says that Jesus said, let them come unto me. That Jesus cared about us so much that he loved us to the end and he, he gave his life for us. He was having an imaginative experience, but it was based on false information. It was fallen. And that's where our rational learning, our immersion in Scripture can come and partner with our imagination and say, no, that's not Jesus. That's not who Scriptures have revealed him to be. And then this leader said, think again. Imagine Jesus. And he saw the Lord inviting him and welcoming him in. So now the rational and the imaginative, the intuitive have come together. And this person experienced Jesus through them. And that's how God created it. Let me give you another example. This is kind of a, a fun one. Um, are any Frozen fans out there? Uh, my kids have the Frozen CD on repeat. It's like five times a day. This is a, an animated Disney movie, if you, if you don't know. And there's, um, as the title suggests, it's set in winter, and one character named Olaf is a snowman. And he's never experienced summer. But he, he likes to imagine what it'd be like if he, as a snowman, was in summer. So let me just read you the lyrics of this song. It's pretty, pretty fun. Bees will buzz, kids will blow dandelion fuzz, and I'll be doing whatever snow does in summer. A drink in my hand, my snow up against the burning sand, probably getting gorgeously tanned in summer. Um, he goes on to say, the hot and the cold are both so intense. Put them together, it just makes sense. Winter's a good time to stay in and cuddle, but put me in summer and I'll be a happy snowman. And my kids, when they saw it the first time, doesn't puddle rhyme? Yes, puddle rhymes. Puddle rhymes. So you can see he's, he's imagining, he's imagining summer, what he's heard about it, but he doesn't have enough information. He doesn't have the framework to really realize when you get to summer, you will melt. Summer is not a good place for snowman to be. See, the, the imagination is meant for the Lord. It's meant to know the Lord. It's meant to live in his kingdom. But just like Olaf the snowman, we often, our imagination is clouded with other things. We have misinformation. The way our hearts and our minds think and feel actually gets in the way of our being with and living in the kingdom. This happens when uh, we fill our imagination with unholy things. We were created to be holy. We were created for our imaginations to be holy. But we can fill them with unholy things. The media we watch, the music we listen to, the conversations we have, the things we read. We can fill our imaginations with unholy things. And they keep us from engaging with the Lord through our imaginations. And just like Olaf the snowman, we can picture something that we think is great. But it's wrong. It's just wrong. It keeps us from engaging the Lord. This is why it's so important for the cleansing of our imaginations to immerse ourselves in Scripture. 
and in a community, in a church that's reading Scripture and being formed by it together. This is why it's so important that we engage with the symbols and the images of Scripture. We, we saw this in, in the passage um, from the Lord Jesus this, this evening. He uses these images, these scriptural images, to kind of enliven our imagination. And, and, and we see it throughout his teaching. Light, salt, loaves, fishes, a pearl, a coin, a sheep, a banquet feast, the cross, the empty tomb, the spirit as a dove. These are the images that will shape and form our imagination toward the Lord. And this is why we have these images in the center of our worship as the cross and the altar, so that we can be shaped by what the Bible says is true about reality. When we take in Scripture, when we take in its images, when we study and learn from sound teaching and doctrine, we can use that information to inspire our imagination. We can use the information of Scripture to inspire our imagination. It allows us to put ourselves into the presence of God and to engage with Him. It allows us to, in our everyday lives, bring the kingdom and be aware that we're living in the kingdom. We can say, what does it mean that Jesus lived and died and rose the way he did? How would that look in our lives? We can't tangibly see that. We can't rationally just add it up. We have to imaginatively, with our understanding of Jesus, bring him with us and go with him. How would Jesus parent in this situation? I have to take what I know about Jesus and, and meet him in the imagination. How would Jesus respond in this situation at work? I have to know Jesus. I have to meet him in the imagination. How would he respond? How would he act? How would he love and sacrifice? Another example of this is uh, the song Imagine by John Lennon. It, maybe you're familiar with it. What he's doing is he's, he's engaged in an imaginative exercise. He's taking what he sees as wrong with the world and what he sees as, as what it could be, and he's imagining what it would look like. So he says, No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries, it's not hard to do, nothing to kill or die for, no religion to. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Now as Christians, we look at his framework and we say, that's not what the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach that sin is a problem of national organizations or religious institutions. It, it teaches that sin is actually a problem of our hearts. And you can get rid of whatever you want and we're still not going to live in peace because because sin is a problem inside of me and inside of you. But do you see the exercise he's engaged in? 
What would it look like for us as Christians to say, look at the world around us, but we know what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. We know who God is. What would it look like if that came to our town, to our family, to our lives today? That is the holy Christian imagination. That invites the kingdom of God and Jesus into where we are. What would it look like if the kingdom of God were here? So often, we settle for not engaging in the imagination, not engaging in the kingdom of God this way. We look at the world around us and we have no Christian imagination. We just think, well, that's the way it is. I'll go to church on Sunday and I'll hold out hope for heaven. We don't, we don't engage in the hard work of, of learning who Jesus is and learning what the kingdom would look like today. We look at injustice that happens and we say, that's horrible, but I can't engage it because it's too horrible or I can't engage it because that's just the status quo. That's just how things are. When a holy Christian imagination says, no, you've, you've got to imagine. See, the kingdom of God is like leaven and if there's, just, if there's just three cups of it in flour, it'll turn the whole thing to leaven. That's a Christian imagination. C.S. Lewis talks about this in his essay, The Weight of Glory. He says, Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. Far too easily pleased to live life generally how it is, not engage the Christian imagination, to not be with Jesus there, to not dream about what his kingdom would look like. We're far too easily pleased in our own lives to not press into the sin, to not press into the darkness, to not, in our Christian imagination, imagine what it would be like if Jesus really meant what he said in Luke 4 when he said, I've come to set the captives free. I've come to set the prisoners free. We don't have to be too easily pleased. We don't have to stay there Jesus wants to dream with us. He wants us to live with him like we're citizens of heaven, like we belong to a better country, a heavenly one. He wants to bring heaven here on earth through us, through his church. We can imagine what John described in the book of Revelation of heaven descending, the new city, the new Jerusalem, coming to where we are, coming to our lives and families and church and community, coming to our world. 
We can believe the collect that we'll all pray at the Easter vigil in a few weeks that what God has wonderfully created, he has and will more wonderfully restore. That what has been cast down will be restored. We can imagine it. Sometimes I feel like we can almost taste it. We're going to transition into a time of prayer. I want us to just do what we've been talking about. Just put ourselves in the presence of God to see what he might want to say to us, to see what he might want to show us and teach us about his kingdom, about how he's asked us to live. To help guide our thinking, I want to read this quote by Oswald Chambers, who uh, wrote the devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. He asked this question. Is your imagination stayed on God or is it starved for God? The starvation of the imagination is one of the most fruitful sources of exhaustion and sapping in a worker's life. If you've never used your imagination to put yourself before God, begin to do it now. It's no use waiting for God to come. You must put your imagination away from the face of idols and look unto him and be saved. Imagination is the greatest gift God has given us and it ought to be devoted entirely to him. If you would just enter into a posture of prayer now, Val, if you'd come up. Just put yourself before the Lord in his presence. We read a description of that, the way Isaiah saw it, the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe fills the temple. Can you see Jesus there? Above him stood the angels, the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they flew. They called to one another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What does that glory feel like? What does it look like? Thank you. And as they're singing, holy, 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 the sound is so full, so deep, so resonant that the the whole building, the foundations, the thresholds, they shake with the voice. The whole house is thick with the smoke, with the cloud of Jesus' presence. Put yourself in the presence of Jesus now. Thank you, Lord. We choose to draw near to you, to hear your invitation to draw near. 
And Lord, we are like Isaiah, that upon seeing your glory, plead for your mercy, because we are a people of unclean lips among an unclean people. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would, um, as you did for Isaiah, that you would send your Holy Spirit upon our imaginations. You would cause that purifying fire to touch our minds, the images in our minds, the smallness of our imaginations. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would open up whole new places in our souls to perceive your glory and your goodness and the passion and love that you have for the world that you have made. Maybe for some of you that for the Lord to open up those new vistas in your imagination, mm -hmm. that you need to renounce a false image or ways that you've trained your imagination mm -hmm. to dwell on things that are not of the Lord. So if the Lord would bring that up in your heart now, just Repent of that. Mm -hmm. Just offer that to him. Name it as the idol that it is. Mm -hmm. And believe the gospel that Jesus died to take that away so that you can be with him in his kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I had a sense that for uh, many of us, um, the kinds of things that we watch uh, for entertainment have made us very asleep to the darkness in our world. Um, and it's a strange way of not facing it, but actually escaping it. And that the Lord would give to you, if you desire it of him, a great courage to look um, the challenges of our time uh, square in the face with the grace of God and to imagine with him transformation and change, to imagine with him light breaking in to the darkest places where God seems most distant and most far away. For some of you, that darkness might be something in your own heart, mm -hmm. something in your own life. And you have never in your imagination seen the Lord actually free you from that. Mm -hmm. You've never seen the chains that you feel like you're carrying broken. And Lord, I just pray now that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us the gift of faith. Yes, Lord. That we could see what is truer than our own chains and our own sin. That we could see what is deeper, what is the deepest reality. And that is your cross. Mm -hmm and the power of your cross. Lord, would you minister that power to each of us here? Give us the faith and the hope that in your cross there is freedom, mm -hmm. that by your cross everything can change.
Lord, I pray now that you would cleanse our imaginations, that you would fill them, first of all, with you, with who you are. Give us now a vision of your face, Jesus. Give us now, Jesus, that experience of your heart of love for us and for everyone. Lord, fill our minds and imaginations with kingdom images. Mm -hmm. Fill us with the kingdom of God that we might be citizens of that country. That even though we're here in this world, that we would live by the deeper and truer reality of your kingdom and your presence with us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those uh, sending us great intuitions of the, the glory of your kingdom and all the places that you would love to break in with the light of your kingdom to our families our homes, our children, our relationships, our places of work, uh, into our own hearts in brand new and fresh ways. Uh, Lord, we do ask that in this time of Lent, as we purify our hearts before you, that you would graciously expose to us those things that we set our hearts upon, which are so much less and so uh, unreal in comparison to the glory of your kingdom that we might have the grace to just toss those things away. Uh, I would encourage you as we were in praying, if you have not really been able to enter imaginatively into the goodness and glory of God, but there's some um, dark uh, preoccupation that comes up in your mind, to just um, pull that portrait, that giant poster-sized overwhelming image out and throw it into that beautiful temple that is filled with the glory of God. Mm-hmm. To allow it to be consumed um, and destroyed um, by the sheer magnitude of God's goodness and of his yes. glory. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And he just waits for an act of your will um, as you choose um, to give to him that image. Thank you, Lord. Lord, strengthen every uh, will here, Lord, to um, dare to take make partnership with you to dream uh, big dreams for the sake of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. And open up our imaginations to enter so fully into this holy week that is coming up for us that uh, we might, with the whole of who we are, body, soul, mind, and spirit, our imaginations, our minds, all together in great unity come into that encounter with you um, through music, um, through theater, through reading. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord, for sending your Holy Spirit upon us as a church, as a people, um, to dream uh, with you what you can do through that revival of word and sacrament yes, Lord. Um, in our midst yes, Lord. and through us. Thank you, Lord.